Hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. It's Christmas Eve and if this is your tradition, happy holidays. I hope you've had a good week and you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. I'm your host Ian Truscott, I'm no rockstar, but on this weekly podcast I chat to the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums that I've met on my 20 year journey from sysadmin to CMO and share what we call marketing street knowledge. Come say hello, you can find me, all my guests and the show notes at rockstarcmo.com or rockstarcmo on the social. We're also part of the Marketing Podcast Network who this week reached 200,000 downloads for the year. Congrats to the team. Something different this week, Jeff is away, but I'm joined by two guests, Mark Demony and Noz Urbina, to discuss a hot topic from 2022, the metaverse, following what I can only describe as a dare on LinkedIn. And we wind down for the holidays in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with Robert Rose for a cocktail and see what's under his marketing Christmas tree. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. The Metaverse has been a hot topic this year. And as you'll hear, this conversation was inspired by a post on LinkedIn by Noz Urbina. Noz is an omni-channel content solutions lead specializing in pharma and regulated industries and is the founder of Urbina Consulting and the online omni-channel conference Omnichannel X. He's also an author, speaker and podcaster. We are joined by Mark Demony, Head of Product Strategy at Uniform, who has had a fantastic career in web content management and digital experiences from the early days of web development to most recently, he's led product strategy for Sitecore, Optimizely and Contentful. Mark sparked a conversation in the comments of Noyce's post, and which ended up with him basically daring me into having them on the show and sharing that conversation with you guys. And it was my absolute pleasure to catch up with him. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. Welcome, Mark Naz, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, gentlemen? Doing great. Doing fantastic. You can see already that I'm not used to talking to two people. I should have addressed that to one of you or the other one, right? So for people that don't know either of you, and I've done a little bio before we started, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Maybe, Naz, if you want to start. Absolutely. So I am an omnichannel content strategist and designer. Uh, I am the founder of my consultancy company, Urbina Consulting. We're about to celebrate our 10th year next year. Wow. Uh, very happy about that. And we focus on uh, omnichannel. So we work uh, we uh, work with usually large organizations, a lot of pharmaceuticals, um, regulated industries, uh, manufacturing, and so on, uh, to help them unify. You know, it, Companies, even with the deepest pockets, need to start getting more integrated, holistic strategies, which includes things like the metaverse, which we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, yeah, it's a big topic, isn't it, omnichannel? And it's nice to have you on to talk about the metaverse as well. Oh, and, uh, sorry, um, I can't. I can't not say I'm also uh, founder of the Omnichannel X conference, which is happening. Um, which is happening in in May you have this a year. Lot of, you have a lot of things going on. Those. I, got I, a lot of I feel like there. I've known you forever, but it, this is, I think, the first time we've actually spoken. Whereas. Yeah. We've kind of been in these same circles. Um, and you're talking to us from Valencia in Spain, which is also quite wonderful. So thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Um, Mark, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. 
So I have been in content management and digital experience for about 18 years, Mm -hmm. um, both on the client side and recently a lot on the vendor side. And my current role is uh, head of product strategy for a company called Uniform and a very similar industry. We're in composable architectures and omni-channel and where Nas is sort of on the consulting side of omni-channel, um, Uniform as a company uh, really provides a product to help actually enable that um, really on the individual side. Cool, cool. Yeah, thank- and you're, you're in, in Canada, right? I am just north of Ottawa, Canada. Yep. Nice. Very nice. And, and somebody where it's probably colder than it is here at the moment because I'm in the UK. So. <laughs> I, I understand we both have snow, though, which is yeah, we we're, we're good with it. But you're <laughs> shut down, I've heard. <laughs> we do. And, uh, and as anybody who listens to the show knows, we're obsessed with the weather. So I'm always <laughs> mentioning the weather. Anyway, so um, you, Mark, actually um, through the the podcast gauntlet down on this one you're the one who started the trouble here so um just for some background for the listener um Noz, you you mentioned a guardian article on linkedin about meta's investment in the metaverse mm-hmm. and in that linkedin conversation mark you basically dared me to say let's have this conversation on the podcast because there was a bit of a difference of opinion in that linkedin conversation so thank you very much for joining and, and for coming on this so we're going to do this metaverse special um but i think shall we start off with the simples basics rather which is what's your definition of the metaverse so Noz, i think you were nominated to kick off this this part of the conversation so what's your definition of the metaverse well it'd be my pleasure um so my definition of the metaverse is the immersive 3d internet mm-hmm. so um we have we're going to go through this in, in much greater detail later but basically okay. it's where uh the internet stops being something that is displayed um, just on surfaces or in two-dimensional content, but something that really takes advantage of uh, three-dimensional and spatial-aware content. So there's lots mm-hmm. of different things we're seeing that are going in, in that direction and converging on this requirement to break free of, of two dimensions. And what the metaverse is, it's instead of um, uh, something that you look at, uh, it's something that you can be inside. So right. con- content that you can walk into, content that you can explore physically, um, that you can see all around you. And that mm-hmm. opens up all sorts of design concepts, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to in the, in the, in the, in the mm-hmm. length and breadth of the conversation. But uh, it, it's a new way of interacting with content, and it has lots of implications on an organization's um, uh, content supply chain, ideation, um, and at digital asset management, um, all content modeling, all these good things that we talk about um, in omnichannel projects. So that would be my, my very high-level definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested yeah. to see what color uh, Mark adds to that. <laughs> and also, uh, I mean, it's highly tied to Web3 at the moment, isn't it? So are you, are you alongside that, that it's, it's, it's a core tenant of Web3 when anybody talks about that too? Yes, absolutely. So I, it, um, I, I don't think that Web3 is essential it, well, mm-hmm. metaverse. I think uh, that um, you can talk about the metaverse, metaverse uh, Web three, as the combination of the metaverse, um, blockchain technologies, and, and a few other different kind of infrastructure things that all make uh, Web three happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the metaverse bit of it is this idea of this 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 um, three dimensional right. content space that's somewhere that's we can be part of uh, both the real world and the digital world coming together. Yeah, and before we get to the disagreements that I think Mark you've you've hinted at in our LinkedIn conversation, would you agree with uh, Noz's uh, definition there, or have you got a different take? Uh, I I agree, and I and and there's some nuances to it though. I think one of the real mm. issues that that all of us have when we're discussing the metaverse is that the definitions are really variable depending upon whether it's a specific vendor definition that's being put mm-hmm. forth by Meta or whether it does, to your point, Ian, include things like Web3, which then includes mm-hmm. things like blockchains and NFTs. Yeah, and yeah. you know, we, you'd mentioned um, potentially uh, digital assets transferable across different you know, company metaverses, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to pin down 
uh, what it is. And, and I think, you know, for the context of the conversation and, and at least when we were thinking about it in the context of the, the original Guardian article, it was, mm. you know, is, is Meta slash Facebook's bet yeah. and their version of the metaverse, you know, is, yeah. is that one going to pay off or two, interesting and of value to marketers and and i think i was questioning that aspect of it in particular yeah yeah, we'll get to that in a moment so on this topic of um what is the metaverse do you feel like it's i mean i've heard it described as it's like the internet in 95 or 98 or 97 whichever one you want to 1990 however far you want to go back um is that where we are do you think in in terms of the metaverse i mean mark what do you think uh, I th- I think it is in terms of its infancy. I think the primary difference, though, is you look at the internet in the in the mid '90s. It was very sort of uh, lefty or libertarian or carving out all these different spaces for uh, different individual communities. And I think the difference is today, it's from the get-go extremely monetized. You know, Facebook is looking at this as you need to have a Facebook account, you need to have a Facebook headset. Um, you know, anybody looking at it from the point of view of NFTs, it's like, oh, you can micro content or micro transaction the digital assets that you own and, you know, collect X on that. And so the current context, I think, is very driven by uh, by money rather than culture, which I think is the big difference between the early yeah, days. And, 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 and Nas, I can see you nodding, but isn't isn't that similar to AOL back in the day? I know that you guys are probably just a little bit younger than me, but isn't that the same as what AOL tried to do, create this walled garden? Isn't that the same as what Meta are trying and, to do? And isn't it really what Facebook's doing now and all yeah, Facebook exactly, always has yeah. done? So, uh, you know, I, I don't disagree that there's an attempt to create these mm-hmm. walled gardens. Um, I, I kind of shrug them off. So I, I do agree with your original premise. Um, I, I've been. Uh, I, I've actually explicitly said that we are in the forgotten area of the of the metaverse. So when I've mm-hmm. been presenting on it, I, I bring up uh, the history of my smartphones. Yeah. Um, so if you Google the history of smartphones, you get uh, the first internet-enabled smartphone, which is two thousand one, and then mm-hmm. the iPhone, two thousand seven. So yeah. there's a better part of a decade, very <laughs> yeah. important decade in terms of, yeah. of internet and, and and web technologies, just just. Yeah. jumped over because no one cares right. what happened in those seven yeah. years. And I, th- I think that's where we are with the metaverse is that all, a lot of the details of the jockeying for position uh, is all going to be forgotten. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Samsung coming out with their headset, Apple's coming out with their headset. Uh, Microsoft has just formed a major partnership with Facebook to kind of leverage their headset investment. Plus they have their own headsets, which they're targeting at the non-consumer market. So everybody's going to try to bite off a bigger chunk um, because they saw what happened with the internet. Uh, as Mark was yeah. saying, when it first arrived, it came out of academic circles and, uh, yeah, and it was, you know, it was just this kind of um, a hippie commune for, for words. And uh, that businesses saw that happen. And they're like, we're not letting that happen again. So they're all definitely going to try to get in there first, but no one, when this all comes out in the wash, no one can own the internet. So it's not going to, I want to go to this hippie commune of words. I love it's, that. Yeah. Well, it's died 23 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Is it, yeah. Um, so, but in, in the article that you highlighted, Noz, the, the Guardian article, the key controversy, and this seemed to be the, the key topic of discussion, because it wasn't just you two that commented on that thing either. There was a couple of other people that weighed in the LinkedIn thing, was a lot, a lot of the commentary was on how big Meta is betting on the Metaverse, mm. which I think is what you both just referred to there. Um, and... People are saying that he's a little bit blindsided, he's a bit single-minded on this, and he doesn't seem to care about Facebook, the rest of the company, that he's totally all in on the metaverse, and that's, that's you know, it's the hill he's going to die on almost, you know. So, Mark, what, do you, what did you think of that? I mean, you had some thoughts on LinkedIn. Uh, oh, there's, there's a couple different thoughts and they're sort of, uh, competing. Um, but there's, there's my sort of literal thought and there's my, you know, semi conspiracy (laughs) theory hat thought. And the literal thought is, yes, he's, he's definitely investing a lot in this. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, Silicon Valley leaders for lack of a better word that, that kind of, lean back on science fiction and Neil mm-hmm. Stevenson and William Gibson and, and all of those things and think like, Oh my, that's really cool. And, you know, they look at it as, as something that's, you know, one cool and two inevitable because they can sort of see it in their mind based off, mm-hmm. 
you know, the works of fiction that were uh, a generation ago. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that, uh, but I also think, you know, part of the interesting thing about the metaverse and Facebook's announcement was that it was very quick and the timing around it was around a lot of other controversies that Facebook was having and, and the launch of it for a company that was very media focused. And, and I'd be curious about your opinion as a CMO on this, Ian, is yeah. it felt very amateurish. Like literally it was a bunch of university kids cramming the night before and putting together this thing. That's like, oh, no, we're going to pivot to this thing, which was yeah. – it felt like a distraction of a lot of the the you know serious issues that Facebook was facing around some of the other controversies that they were having. So I I think it's a bit of in, – in my mind, those two things could both be true, um, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's, that's how it feels to me. There's, there's – you know, one, it feels rushed, but two, it also feels like, okay, this is it now, and we are committing and, you know, lashing themselves to the mast on it. Yeah, yeah, and and Nuz, what do you think? Uh, so I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I you know the the, the 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 fact that the timing and the way it was done uh, uh, could have some strategy behind it, and you know, so I always refer to the, the the greatest and most transparent and and cynical example of this is when George Bush changed daylight savings in the U.S. Yeah. You remember, yeah. it's like he was he was in hot water, and it's like, all right, we're going to change daylight savings. And the entire news cycle it suddenly became obsessed with this, yeah. change, this yeah. change of an hour. Um, yeah. yeah. So that it could be there could be a little bit of that going on. Like, a, don't look at the man behind the curtain. I have no problem yeah. with that. Uh, but what I'm also seeing from from Zuckerberg is 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 he's 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 bringing the band back together. It's basically yeah. Facebook again in the sense of he has a vision. He sees this mm-hmm. as the future. And he's mm-hmm. he's going to drive it home, and he's going to change the world with it. And uh, I'm I'm not going to say I'm a, like with full respect to all the great people who work at uh, uh, Meta and all its sub companies. Um, I, I yeah. probably still say Facebook without noticing. Um, yeah. Um, all these different uh, kind of sub organizations. Uh, I'm, I don't have to be a fan of Zuckerberg himself or the way he he conducts business just to mm-hmm. to say that he's banking on a strategy, which I do agree with long term. Um, mm-hmm. I I and. Um, I, I, I would, so if we're talking about, uh, agree or disagree, the thing that I, that jumped out to me about what you just said, Mark was, um, the science fiction thing. And I don't like, I, I, I'm a semi-closeted mega nerd and I spent a lot of my time, uh, watching these, these technologies in their, not even in their infancy, in their, in their, um, in their pre-insemination stage when, when, so for example, I was talking about the metaverse augmented reality and I was presenting on it a decade ago mm-hmm. and I was talking about, and I was presenting on the fact I was presenting a guy who had, was going to the supermarket with his, with his augmented reality headset a decade before that. So like he had rigged up this, this, you know, backpack for wow. computing hardware and a camera mm-hmm. and an eyepiece. And he was, he was, you know, he would ask his wife, how, what do you think of the look of these watermelons um, through his augmented reality headset in like 91 or something? I'm uh, sorry, like nine, the late 90s. So I, I keep an eye on this stuff. Um, and yes, those ultra mega nerds may be inspired by science fiction, but they, they break ground. And they, what, I, what I look at is not the particulars of how one company is doing it. What I look at is, are they solving a human need? Is there a requirement mm. for this in the world? Are they on the mm. right path? So um, I, I look back and go, look, Microsoft tried chatbots. We all don't. We all forgot about that. <laughs> Microsoft pioneered the hell out of chatbots, and they just mm. did it too early and they did it badly. But it was the mm-hmm. right thing yeah. to do. We call it yeah. Clippy now, and we make fun of it. But they tried to create an artificial intelligence chatbot that could answer mm-hmm. questions, provide a human-like dialogue, um, you know, guide people on their way in tasks. Uh, they were way too early, uh, as we saw with with Google Glass. You know, a Google yeah, yeah. could pull out an iPhone for the face. The technology wasn't there. Google couldn't make Google couldn't make it happen. So yeah. I don't I don't really care if somebody face plants on one of these attempts. What I'm talking about is that this is the way that the internet kind of has to go for many user and market driven reasons. 
And that's why I think that, 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 that marketers and content people in general need to pay attention. Not because uh, I, I agree with, with Zuckerberg's exact implementation or ideas of what he's going to do with Meta. Yeah. I agree that he's right, that this is the way of the future. And yeah. j- jumping on something when it's gone mainstream and trying to pivot your company, uh, I've seen that to be a generally losing strategy. I think we need to be looking at, okay, what are the baby steps? What are the incremental changes we can make now that get us all in the metaverse path so that we can yeah. keep ahead of this wave as it continues to build? Yeah. There's there's going to be some some violent agreement I think as opposed to disagreement. Um, so let's see here. The, Can I the parts... interrupt for a sec? Can I sure. Just one, well, I have to make one point here. I've never heard anybody speak so well of Clippy. <laughs> well, yeah, I know exactly. This is it's why I pull this stuff out. I have I got a whole bag of these I... examples. I think there's well, a whole bunch of listeners that probably don't even know what we're talking about, but that little, oh, yeah, that little paper right. clip that you used to say, are you writing a letter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're right. So for the younger, for the younger listeners, so when yeah. I was in high school, uh, yeah. Microsoft tried to do a chatbot, and it would pop yeah. up in Microsoft Word, and it would try to detect, detect the task you were doing, and it was always wrong. It was always annoying. <laughs> it, was, it was People were constantly... And so it became the, kind of the, the, one of the go-to jokes of, yeah. of the tech world uh, and now yeah. it's it, so long ago that we forgot about it yeah. I, i'm gonna it, have a, a tangent yeah. on a tangent and then i'll pull ourselves back the tangent on yeah. a tangent is that the one of the issues with clippy years afterwards you know they were talking to some of the product uh, managers for it and and what they said was the original clippy was supposed to be a lot less intrusive and basically somebody higher up in the business said oh it's not popping up and getting enough attention, make it more annoying. And they did um, to make it more visible. But it was it was at that point annoying to the point that people hated it, in which case it you know kind of killed it. So uh, there's a little bit of a product management lesson in that. But oh, it also didn't work. Uh, there's, well, a fun, there's a fundamental there. It actually didn't yeah. work. As, as, the, as the marketer on the call listening to you saying, make it more annoying, make yeah. it bigger, make it pop up more. That sounds like life to me. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, who can load a website um, but, without seven pop-ups today? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So um, so the general trajectory is good. And um, I think one of the interesting things in the debate between the two of you on LinkedIn was the fact that do we care? I mean, the question I was going to ask is, is Meta the right company for this? Which I think is actually the wrong question. And neither of us are like financial analysts. And, and it sounds like we don't actually care about the fate of Meta as a business or their shareholders. We care about the technology and where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the points you were making us was like, you don't really care, but who... It's not like whether it's right or wrong for Facebook. Is it right or wrong for the metaverse? So, is all this investment the the meta the meta are putting in the metaverse? Is this good? So, um, I have a. I, I want to talk about. Uh, so, yeah, good. Is it good? Yes, it's good. <laughs> it's good that it's good that big companies blow squintillions of of dollars, <laughs> breaking ground, yeah. making mistakes, uh, putting in infrastructure doing things that will make then all the young and plucky companies who come up with better ideas um, uh, that they will, they will be able to take advantage of them and stand on their shoulders. So I think that is a net good for the world. So no matter how much it, whatever it does to to Facebook stock price, which has recovered nicely Mm. in the past few months, um, I just a little on the side, I I do speak to someone who, who, who knows probably probably better than any of us about this, kind of deep customer and business strategy analysis. And we sat down and right when it was at, when it dropped to $88 a share, he goes, I'm, I'm going in because all Zuckerberg needs to do is make an announcement that he's going to focus on core business uh, and efficiencies and the stock's going to pop because yeah, yeah. it's it, Facebook's, it was compared to what the money they actually make, the business was very healthy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, again, yeah. I, hear, I mean, I hear that on other podcasts as well. I mean, I listen to the Prof G podcast, which is financial, <laughs> fundamentally about finance and um and 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 even though i mean i don't know if you listen to prof g he hates zuckerberg but the business fundamentals are pretty sound even they can afford to spend all this cash on the metaverse and it may never come to anything but the core thing is is we're still spending a shitload on facebook ads and stuff so it still works but mark what was your opinion on that on, on their spend uh, so let's see I'll, I'll kind of parse it out in the same sense that Nas did as well i think in in general 
Um, in general, I agree with this principle that there's going to be businesses that have deep pockets that are going to have the resources to experiment and push in different directions. I think the the tricky thing is is trying to lock that in and monetize that and i think mm-hmm. you know it's kind of relative to what i was talking about at the start of the conversation a lot of the internet really picked up because the standards were fairly open it was fairly free you didn't have to use somebody's web server you didn't have to use somebody's monitor or computer to make it work yeah. and and even businesses that attempted to try that like say microsoft with ActiveX controls and quote unquote embracing and extending on that standard and Java standards and JavaScript standards and and the flash. Flash, Yeah. And the market, the market ultimately rejected those things. And so I think depending upon the nature of that investment coming from, uh, from meta and if it's built upon more open things, then, then yes, we will kind of get that overall market ecosystem and some, some growth in the sort of cracks within the monoliths. And that'll be good. Um, If, if businesses try to keep it very locked down and and restrictive, I, I think it might just be a big you know burning of of money in a pit, and and we won't see that sort of spread of ideas. Well, we will from the people changing companies, but you won't really from like a technological or standards that's point a, of view. That's the big test, isn't it? It seems to me is that that this thing needs to be open enough that that people can. Um, broadly adopted, like the internet mm-hmm. broadly adopted, but closed enough that these big companies can make their cash and be the AOL of their time or whatever, right? I, I don't know whether that's a particularly good analogy. I don't know. If, I, I yeah, think I it know. is a good analogy because ultimately they, they yeah. weren't able to sustain that model. So yeah. I think it still yeah. holds up. Well, that's yeah. the question. Will they be AOLs or will they, will they be Googles and Amazons and so on? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I think, and then uh, coming back to that same discussion I had with it, you know, somebody who's deep into the investor side, uh, that was a question. Uh, and we were, and, yeah. and so, although he was quite bullish about the, uh, meta stock, it was not about the metaverse. It was still very, lots of question marks for him. And it came down to, is this going to go mainstream enough that it's going mm-hmm. to be what marketers and businesses need to care about in the way that they need to care about the internet? Um, yeah. and I, I want to, I want to come back to my point is that, the, 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 it, it's not a, we shouldn't be looking at this as a binary yes, no metaverse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The question is, uh, what, uh, what are the incremental steps towards, uh, towards this and how do we define a strategy, which makes sure, makes sure that we're at the right point of the innovation mm-hmm. wave. Um, so I, I talk about, uh, an immersive technology spectrum. So we see today companies like the New York times, uh, if you do, if you look at New York Times uh, Interactive, um, and I, there's another great link somebody sent me recently uh, with examples. But basically, their data visualization team is is awesome, um, mm-hmm. and they're doing a lot of 3D in the browser. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is they've reimagined the scroll bar as a hallway. So you oh. you don't just read a story on a flat screen. There are times when you will, as you move the scroll bar, you'll be doing a flyover of a physical space. Wow. So I've seen yeah. examples where they take you through the fuselage of an airplane, talk about COVID spread um, through the ventilation system, or mm-hmm. uh, very moving and 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 uh, you know historically important examples like yeah. um, the, the the Tulsa race massacre in the United States. Where you're doing this this kind of guided walkthrough of the town, mm-hmm. and you you know the highlights different buildings and information pops up, and, and it's all in 3D, but it's all being done in the browser. And Google has also right. also released statistics. I don't have them to hand. That um, product results. If you're if you're you know the, the product results that show up when you yeah. do a search. Uh, yeah. If you're if you show 3D on and Amazon as well. If you have 3D uh, uh, products that, that people can pinch and rotate and scroll and yeah. bring them around or explode them that's uh those 3d assets they they sell better mm-hmm. so 3d on the 2d surface is something that you can be doing today and you'll benefit from today yeah those and assets and those was- pipelines will serve you regardless of how fast the metaverse goes mainstream that that's the question is we need to go in that direction 
um, and then be thinking, you know, where, where are we and where, what is the logical next step for our brand? Yeah, I love, and this is something I was going to ask you guys because, and also you keep saying 3D, ma- makes me think of 3D TV, which is a perfectly capable, uh, perfectly possible technology. There was a big fad for 3D TV. One of my mates bought one, really expensive one, but no, but where are they now? Nobody mm-hmm. bothers with them anymore and nobody wants to bother with the headset. And I, I wanted to ask you guys that, about that because most people think of the metaverse as Zuckerberg's definition, or I think is, of, I might be wrong, of wearing a VR headset, an expensive VR headset that creates nausea. It seems to be a point of friction, both in terms of cost and convenience. And it kind of reminds me of that. What, what do you mm-hmm. guys think? I mean, Mark, do you think it is about the, is that, is, is that what the metaverse is? Uh, well, maybe I'll sidestep that and I'll talk a little bit about the hardware issues. Mm. Um, and, and so personally, I'm a fan of VR. I have a really nice, uh, HP headset, a really nice video card. I love spending time in Microsoft flight simulator, you know, during the pandemic, before the pandemic, I used to fly a lot and that was like my Zen. I would look out the window (laughs) at mountains and I miss that. So I bought a VR setup specifically to get that. So like, I love VR, um, but that said, you know, to your point, there's, there's a ton of issues around it. And especially from an accessibility perspective, you know, I can't, I can't fly around for more than a couple hours without feeling sick. Um, you know, anybody wearing glasses, it's not particularly good for, um, and it requires an absolute gobsmacking amount of, of hardware, um, mm. to make it, to make it decent. And I, I think the biggest limitation is not necessarily, um, the hardware and video cards. Cause you know, Moore's law is starting to reach the yeah, limits yeah. of the laws of physics, but it yeah. still is kind of a thing The the biggest limitation for that is, is just the human body is, is yeah. wonky. Um, and yeah. you know, having, having 3d interfaces mated to our wonky biological hardware, um, just is not, particularly great and so you know even to go back to when we were talking about science fiction in all of those cases they would always have this concept of like oh the neurological cutout um because even back then the authors knew like yeah this is not going to work based upon the the limitations that we have with our eyes so i i think that's um that's going to be one of the biggest limitations and that's that's why i still think mobile phones and ar is is interesting um and i you know there's a lot that nas said that i agree with i think there's there's amazing potential for three D and AR and you know I've even tested out furniture from Crate and Barrel in situ in my living room and said yeah I like that and I bought it like you know yeah, I yeah. I am an early adopter for a lot of this stuff but I I just don't yeah. see that that VR vision um, especially for working being being really mm. um, particularly effective at solving human problems around collaboration yeah. you know I see a lot more interesting things around. Um, you know, Miro and Figma and, you know, those yeah. are very 2D based tools, but they're solving a little bit more of the whiteboarding and collaboration challenge that I think is actually more of an issue for remote working absolutely. than yeah, not seeing people in 3D. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I, I actually, I mean, I find, um, you know, I'm, I'm a gamer. I find I don't need a headset to be completely immersed in mm-hmm. something, right? You you get completely immersed in movies, you get completely immersed in games, you can get completely immersed in a conversation like this where it's just on the screen. But like you say, Mark, there's some there's some real world things we're missing, like whiteboarding and stuff like that. What what do you think, Nos? So um, uh, that kind of teased me up perfectly. I just did a, uh, <laughs> I, just did a pod- <laughs> I, I just did an interview on my podcast with uh-huh. uh, uh, Timmy Stoop uh, Stoop. Alcala, who is the principal content strategist at IKEA, mm-hmm. and of course, the not of course, but they have uh, they are building a, a metaverse strategy, um, and uh, things like augmented reality are. So when I was talking about the the kind of spectrum mm-hmm. of immersive technologies or three D technologies, there's three there's on the glass three D, um, yeah. then there is augmented reality, which is via either uh, a headset, which can be, which is the actually the new meta headset is was much more focused on uh on ar although they didn't hit their target objectives for that but the goal was to create something that could be much more of an ar headset and that is also where um microsoft has been having huge success is their headsets are focused on um remote collaboration and support so 
outside of the kind of the meetings thing, I think as marketers, we can kind of be focused on desk work and, you know, like, like the mirror, I, I love Miro and I totally agree. Yeah, That's yeah, something yeah. that we all needed, but there's a ton of people who still work in the physical world. People who yeah. need to move wires and unscrew hubcaps and, and, you know, uh, yeah. not have uh, propeller blades hit them in the head. There are yeah. millions and millions of people who do physical work. Um, so there, so there are early case studies from Mercedes where they're having, you know, very, very expensive engineers sitting in Germany at, who are basically telepresencing themselves to be standing on the shoulder of uh, like a parrot of engineers in, in Bangladesh or in Dubai or in uh, Latin America. I've seen the same with surgeons. I saw a TV program the other day. Surgeons. About the same thing in surgery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. I, so in my, I run a workshop on the metaverse and my students just, yeah. I said, okay, let's, we did the whole kind of introduction. And I said, okay, now let's talk about applications. And they just started blathering out like tons and tons and tons of applications. Yeah. They're, they're like yeah. from cooking, assembly or configuration instructions, retooling an assembly line, uh, corporate onboarding and training, uh, pandemic playtime for kids, uh, you know, remote surgery, product and fashion testing, interior home design, real estate tours, motor, physical and motor skills rehabilitation. Um, wow. So there's, there's the, uh, and that's just a, sh- a short summary. The, yeah. the, if we kind of think about this as the, as, as a, as a switch, are, am I going to mm-hmm. go from the screen to the VR world? That's, that's not a necessary dichotomy. Um, right. in, we, in, we access the internet from watches, from, from, uh, voice assistants, right. through chatbots, through, through, um, small mobile devices, large mobile devices, interactive touch screens. The desktop hasn't gone away. Like I have a 27 yeah. inch screen in front of me. Um, yeah. so we should see the metaverse not as an, as an alternative to the internet, but another way to access content. Right. We'll just view that content with different fidelity, presumably, you know, the, the watch, the phone, the screen, the VR exactly. headset, we'll just get deeper into it. And I really like what you were talking about earlier on about some of the stuff that's happening in, in 3D on the web, where, mm-hmm. you know, you can imagine that that kind of experience could be that bridge experience, couldn't it? You can experience it both on your desktop machine. And if you had the headset on, you would experience it slightly differently. I think that's, that's really interesting. Oh, oh sorry. Um, thank you. Um, actually, uh, I just want to say the reason I brought up yeah. IKEA is yeah. is to to describe a, like if you if we think about a journey you can be googling stuff on your phone uh um you can see a product you can then turn on the AR, AR augmented reality capability of your phone and mm-hmm. and try to place that product in your virtual living room and then think oh wait well I might want a whole a whole new bed set to go with this uh yeah. so, well not in your living room but <laughs> um dining dinette set or whatever to go with this and then start playing with different product selections and then take that into uh the virtual space at home and use a headset to do a much more rich uh, play with that and then go possibly to Ikea and then in their space, which they've defined for virtual reality, spend 30 minutes envisaging the whole thing. Um, and, and with, with the, uh, the help of a human being who's kind of guiding you through the product recommendations. So this is a, there's, this is not for complete journeys any more than we want to complete entire journeys on our watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, uh, it is a touch point in the omni-channel, uh, ecosystem that we need right. to think about how it integrates. Right. Right. And then, and you use the, the key word there, I think integrates when we talk about the metaverse and going back to our conversation about this walled garden of AOL mm-hmm. using our example, or actually it being something that we interact with and we move between worlds. I mean, there are a lot of the talk at the moment about metaverses around Minecraft and Fortnite and some of the games, but it seems that the true breakthrough is going to be the interoperability between these <laughs> silos, right? What, what do you think of that? Do you think we're moving in that direction? I, I'm sure that Meta are not going to support that, are they? Because they're going to want us to be in their, their walled garden. But are you seeing anything where that kind of work is happening? No, I'd... sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, Mark, I don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I guess I'll comment sort of at a at a higher level, and then maybe yeah. Nas, if you're seeing some of the specific examples. But I, I mean, I I definitely think that it does need to be more of an open approach. Um, and you know, all the examples that Nas was giving, those are all things that people can be doing today by kind of pushing and extending current technologies. This really isn't requiring like this massive sea change and a whole new platform coming from Facebook and, you know, and, 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 um, it can be much more incremental. And, and I agree, like as, as a marketer, um, or as a business that is, 
starting to push more omnichannel, you should be thinking about those things um, in in that way. Whereas, like, what are my use cases, and then incrementally start adding that in, as opposed to waiting to see and say like, oh, this is the new VR thing, and, and trying to push mm. that. I was I was recently Nas will know this company, but Ian, you may not. Uh, in Canada, there's a company called Canadian Tire. Um, oh, yeah, it's right. it's one of the big brands in Canada. Um, people sort of joke Canada is like, you know, two telco companies and uh, a shopping chain in a trench coat um, yeah. <laughs> as far as uh, businesses are concerned. So Canadian Tire kind of owns a big chunk of everything. And, and they're advertising on TV like, oh, uh, you can see, you know, and configure a Christmas tree in VR. Mm-hmm. And like, really? That's yeah. that's your big use case and you're spending, you know, how many millions to advertise this regularly on TV and, yeah. and in YouTube channels and and in a lot of sense, I think that's that's very um, gimmicky and so, mm. you know, there is there is definitely a split and, and I would really agree with Nas's thinking, which is to say, okay, what is, what is your actual use case that makes sense for the company? And then you can take current technologies and really push those things in that direction. Mm. You know, there are AR toolkits coming from Apple that are, you know, fairly yeah. open. There are, yeah. uh, you know, models for storing VR and, and working with content in that way and storing that content in CMSs and digital asset management systems that way. So, you know, you can actually do that today without waiting for this thing that's coming from somebody else. Yeah. And there's probably like Mozilla, isn't it? They're doing projects as well, similar to what mm-hmm. Meta are talking about in the metaverse and stuff. What do you, I mean, I'm going to have to wrap this up in a few minutes, but Noz, what do you think of this interoperability thing? Well, you just you you asked a key question about standards. So mm-hmm. um, I know that uh, I know that Google uh, that the web browsers are starting to um, take seriously again uh, a native three D language for for browsers mm-hmm. that would be able to that you could the same way you can save as a web HTML file. I don't know how yeah. technical your your authors your listeners are, but uh, you know you, it's, there is a standard file type for web pages. That there would be a standard type for 3D content for the web, mm-hmm. uh, which would then be the 3D. Sorry, 3D content for 3D. You know, yeah, you could yeah. be able to represent on, on multiple different anything that could that could render it. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. I think that's kind of an eventuality. We talk about Facebook as a walled garden, but is it? Mm-hmm. Is it really like would it would Facebook be at all successful um, if it didn't link to products outside? Yeah. If it didn't yeah, link true. to web pages outside? If yeah. you weren't you were talking about stuff outside of Facebook. Would there be anything in Facebook that you, you could you could plan your birthday party um, yeah. and you could have a chat? But what what does it do other than provide links and pointers and meta right. discussion about stuff that's outside Facebook? That's how they make their money: being bringing people in with compelling experiences and then pointing them back out. That's their model. Yeah. So if they can't yeah. point you back out, then they're not going to make as much money. Yeah. So. Uh, although right now there's all there's they are trying to um, own the space. They're buying up companies like Mad. There's yeah. nobody to point them out to today. Like there, they, there's a vicious circle in innovation where you have this great idea. You're building a platform with a, until the until we get through this. Um, uh, what do you call it? Chicken and egg of yeah. the platform's not there. The users aren't there. Therefore, there's no market. For, there's no reason to make the content when the content aren't going to. It's not going to be and users are never going to come if there isn't compelling content. Yeah. So we're going to go through that chicken and egg for a while. But yeah. uh, I think standardization is kind of an inevitability, even for yeah. even even with Meta's model. Yeah, no, I love this point, and it's also it nicely ties back to what we were talking about in terms of the balance that Facebook and Meta are going to need to find between being open enough that there's adoption and makes this thing work, and it's a world we all want to go to, and being closed enough that as a as a as a shareholder company that they can still leverage it for the monetary value of that. That's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I need to need to wrap it up. I'm afraid, um, Mark. When folks spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn mm-hmm. um, at uh, mdemony uh, or my company at uh, uniform.dev. Splendid. And you know, where are we going to find you? So I'm also a big fan of LinkedIn. Um, uh-huh. uh, I'm, there's not a lot of Nazarbinas kicking around. So you can probably <laughs> be able to find me uh, pretty easily. Um, and then uh, omnichannelx.digital to find out mm-hmm. about the conference where you're going to see several presentations on Omnichannel and probably the Metaverse and Headless CMS and all the backend stuff that you need to make it happen. Um, yeah. Omnichannel or the Metaverse. Um, and then ur- urbinaconsulting.com. You can check out for to more find out about my company to, to see what we do. 
and your podcast. You mentioned you got podcasts. Oh, sorry. Yes, cool. of course. Well, the, the Omnichannel uh, podcast is off of omnichannelx.digital. So there's resources there. You can check out the blog, the podcast, so sign up to the newsletter, all that good stuff. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting to you two guys. Thank you very much for time. And Mark, thank you for throwing down the gauntlet and making this thing happen. So thanks very much, guys. And uh, have, a great, have a great holiday. Enjoy the holidays. And uh, I look forward to having you guys back. Uh, yeah. This is a great topic, and we can talk about this again in the new year. So, thanks, guys. Happy, right. happy to oblige, and happy holidays as well. Thanks. Thank you, chaps. I will, of course, include all the links to Nos, Mark, and the Guardian article we refer to in the show notes. What do you reckon? Is this metaverse a thing for 2023? Let us know if, like Mark, you want to join or spark the conversation. We are Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn. Right. It's time to wind down for the holidays in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar for a cocktail. And I wonder what Robert would like to be under his marketing Christmas tree this year. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello. My, what, what the? What is going on? <laughs> hold, hold on a moment. Hold, this... This is the noisiest Christmas market I have ever seen in my life. This, I mean, the, there's vendors shouting, and then there's Christmas songs going, and wow, isn't this the most, isn't this just the most? I mean, truly, this is a Christmas market that would rival any, and I've been to some big Christmas markets. You've, you've really outdone yourself, my friend. <laughs> Well, thank you. Now, I have much. no idea where you're going to find Christmas market sounds on the internet, but um, um, that is up to you. Yeah, well, let's hope that they're believable for the listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is I come up with. Yes. Uh, yeah, I love Christmas market. And I know that you and uh, Joe on your show were talking about Christmas markets. I love Christmas. And Christmas I, markets I would... are one of my very favorite things. I wish we did them here. We yeah, do not I... do them in the U.S., and, and it is a yeah. it is one of the... One of the many things that Europeans do so much better than we do, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I, I would, I'm sad that we don't have them here. Yeah, I, I would toss in Munich as one of uh, one of the ones that must you must go and see uh, in all the places. I know that you, we've talked actually. Yeah, it was probably this time last year we were talking about um, a Christmas market in Nord- Nordics. I think we went to one in Stockholm, didn't we? If I'm remembering our episode, Stockholm was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, I mean, it was one of my very first, so perhaps uh, that influenced me quite a bit, but it was, uh, one of the very first Christmas markets I ever went to. Same. And it was, I mean, it was like a wonderland. It was really just amazing. And the okay. food and the, and the music and the people and everybody's okay. dressed up and, ah, uh, it's just, it's so special. It's a bit like this bar on Christmas Eve. Absolutely. It, well, it is. I mean, <laughs> Really? I mean, I mean, look around. Look what we've done here. It's, uh... yeah, absolutely. So uh, what are we drinking? This. So this we are evening? drinking something very simple uh, mm-hmm. for this wonderful uh, Christmas yeah. time. It could not be more simple, although yeah. I very much suspect you don't have it. Um, oh. <laughs> and uh, it, it is it is as simple as it gets, which is uh-huh. and, and it will make my mother happy uh my uh-huh. my now uh passed away mother of course uh and all of the folks uh, on that side of my family who come from glasgow and and uh, and the Scot- uh, scotland um yes. that whole side of my family of course is scottish uh-huh. and so uh-huh. we are going to be drinking a Macallan 15 year double cask yeah. uh scotch whiskey which is nice. just an absolute <laughs> treasure uh uh-huh. it is a single malt scotch uh-huh. whiskey um yeah. and it is uh, and and people, you know, it, people make the mistake of assuming that the older the better. Yeah, that is not true. Um, it's just a different taste. It's not necessarily better or more yeah. valuable. The only reason it's more expensive is usually because more has evaporated away, and so it's there's less of it. Of yeah. course, um, <laughs> yeah. and so that's something people a lot of people don't know about the the scotch and the whiskey making process. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this 15 year old uh, Macallan uh, single malt is just absolutely special, and we will be drinking this. There, there will be no rocks. Uh, we oh. will drink this neat on a on a cold <laughs> Christmas Eve. Uh, and and it is yeah it is it will be wonderful 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 all right well let's hope you don't notice this then (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, I have um, I've put some ice into the glass, and uh, you've ruined my joke that I've been making for the last God knows how many weeks, which is um, I, weirdly enough, don't have uh, a whiskey on my desktop bar. I will attempt to make this very complicated drink with what I do have. And what I do have is gin, Hendrix gin, and Hendrix yes. gin is actually uh, distilled in Scotland so quite nearby where you are um, where your um, where your whiskey came from and where is that true family from. I didn't yes. I don't I, I don't know I the... know because every week I say gin is the most English of whatever it is that you've chosen and then right. I realize that Hendrix is actually made in Scotland so I'm offending anybody from Scotland basically by Steve well, well I that's... think your Englishness basically offends anyone from Scotland <laughs> well it's what we do right is that um, yes. yeah, any, any, we, we take we take credit for all sorts of things that Scotland have done um, because then it's funny how we become British at that point yeah. <laughs> it is the most British of tequilas no this is the most British of whiskies uh, I've got my gin and um, and you didn't put anything else into it and while um, no while literally looking I, 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 I wouldn't even put a rock in there. we're just gonna drink this neat and in in many cases, I have had this a little bit warmed up, and it's oh, it's nice. lovely, but just a little bit warmed up, not hot, but right. but a little bit warmed up is also nice. Yes. Well, while you wasn't looking, I put in some cucumber tonic water into this. Oh, I'm going to give it a taste. That's not as warming as yours is, I don't suppose, but it is delicious, no. <laughs> and I shall <laughs> be trying to drink one of these every single week. And what are we calling that? <laughs> oh, we're calling that a Macallan, is what we're calling that. A Macallan. Fantastic. These, uh, these, yeah, it's very nice. scotch, yeah. Very nice. All right. And, um, and it's a special Christmas time. And I know last week we decided we were going to stay at home. Are we still at home, Robert? Or have we gone? We are indeed. Nice? Yeah, we're still yes. at home. Yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just spend a little more time with our families mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, you can spend a lot more time with your families once you've had a few of these Macallans in your garden. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm much more jovial as well. I'm much more, I'm better to be around. No, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the, um, but I did ask um, actually to do something a little bit different this week, as it will be Christmas. Christmas tomorrow, um, and I was wondering, Robert, what is under your marketing Christmas tree? What are you hoping to open tomorrow and the rest of the year? What gifts, what marketing gifts would you like? You know, there are a few. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll mention a couple and then maybe we can talk about them uh, a little bit. But uh, I think broadly speaking, what I'm hoping for, what I have asked Santa for (laughs) <laughs> uh, under the tree as it pertains to marketing is honestly just a little more certainty around the broader economy. Yeah. I think I see so many marketing teams right now in a little bit of limbo uh, mm. where they are either afraid to make commitments to longer term initiatives yeah. or are concerned about their longer term initiatives because there's so much uncertainty about will there be a recession will there not be a recession will there be you know an economic downturn etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. and what i find that that does is that it really foments the short termism that so many businesses suffer from when it comes to marketing mm-hmm. and and we talk about this a lot when we talk about content marketing of course which is a long term investment into a process, into an owned media strategy, into something that's going to build an audience over the long haul. Yeah. It's, an un, it's the most unlike the daily arbitrage of ads and click-throughs and SEO keyword management and all the things that mm-hmm. we do that are measured in days and weeks and months instead of quarters yeah, yeah. And, um, and years. And it's just hard to put together meaningful programs and marketing without some element of long-term thinking in there. And so what I'm hoping for very, very, uh, very, very much that Santa puts under the marketing tree (laughs) is a little bit of clarity uh, around, and obviously a positive clarity. I don't, don't, I'm not wishing for anything negative, Uh, a positive clarity around the, the lack thereof of a, of a pending recession so that we can, we can get, you know, we can get some of our long-term projects kicked off here. And that, that's the first thing. And then the second thing, much more Mm -hmm. tactically um, around marketing is there's been a real drive and this is related. Of course, there's been a real drive for efficiency over the last uh, 
couple of years coming out of COVID and, and those kinds of things, doing more with less and doing more with less team members and, mm-hmm. and the focus on talent. And what I'm also hoping for, put on a little bit under the tree, is a reflection on how to really think about differentiation and uh, a return to using media and content to drive better expansion of our brand, of our revenue streams, of our products, of all the things that are in our business, growth, a return to growth, if you will, growth marketing, yeah. uh, as opposed to efficiency marketing, where we're just trying to drive more leads through a shortened funnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are very serious. I like these. <laughs> what, what oh, I don't, you... I don't mess around when it comes you to Christmas don't. gifts. I don't... <laughs> Clearly. What, yeah. a, what else? Are you Plus, we've got McCallan working for us. So, you know, it, I mean, it gets, <laughs> it gets real fast. <laughs> and you're not a greedy man but i imagine there are more gifts under this tree what else you got well you know the thing that i think is is probably the most you know superfluous of all of them you know sort of that 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 new shiny bicycle um is we've been doing a lot of looking at technology as it pertains to how does it help us better Mm -hmm. connect audiences and right now companies are really hot on this, right? They're, yeah. they're thinking about their CRM systems and they're thinking about their yeah. uh, marketing automation systems. And they're thinking, how do we connect all these databases together in a meaningful way? And yeah. what I'm hopeful for a little bit is lighter technology, you know, yeah. a, a shinier new technology that takes the idea of, and this is getting a little geeky, but not, maybe mm-hmm. not for your audience for yeah. you know what's called a CDP or a customer data platform. Yeah. But the light version of that, right? The a a non-invasive, you know, have to double down on the, uh, you know, the, the enterprise seven-figure, six months mm-hmm. of implementation, blah blah blah. Yeah. A version of that that can really work in a light fashion, and I'm yeah. hopeful that somebody out there will invent such a thing, and and it will be one of the new shiny toys that we might play with in the new year. Yeah. When when you say light, you mean um, because. It's it, it it's such, it's quite a broad term, isn't it? CDP and it, and it's then used for a bunch of different use cases like personalization or whatever. Is it is it what are you looking for it to do for you when you unwrap it? You know, it's 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 a great question because I I've been asking for this tool for uh-huh. uh, a long time uh, and it has not appeared under my tree yet. Uh-huh. It is something that mixes the idea of what a CRM does with what a marketing automation ah, system okay. does. Yeah. So if you look at traditional marketing automation systems, they, they traditionally, I'll use that word maybe in quotes, um, <laughs> traditionally they're about email, right? It's all yeah. about creating drip campaigns through people who have signed up for something or who have been acquired in some way. There's an, there's a list, right? There's a database yeah. and what marketing automation systems typically do. And I know there's some, the more advanced ones will do things like target your web content and customize mm-hmm. landing pages and yeah. do all those things, which nobody uses them for, by the way, they're, they're all yeah. email blast guns. Yeah. Um, and so the, the traditional method is to say, here's a singular database of marketing prospects that we want to drip campaigns out to. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the major function of a marketing automation system. Yeah. But it's where we put our blog audiences. It's where we put uh, yeah. the people who view our webinars. It's yeah. where we put the people who have you know descri- yeah. subscribed to our email newsletter. Yeah. And then if you look at the other side, which is CRM, which is all about creating that relationship with that mm-hmm. customer. Yeah. It's all about how do I understand what they care about, what they do, what their actions were so that I can more contextually deliver value to them over time, right? Whether that's yeah. from a customer service standpoint in the classic sense, or from a Salesforce automation perspective, how do I understand their actions so I know what stage of the the journey mm-hmm. they're in, so I know when and how hard to sell to them. Yeah. And those two things are a Venn diagram, and there's overlap for sure. But what I'm yeah. what I'm after is something that enables me to connect the audience I have on my blog, the audience I have in my resource center, the audience I have on my uh, my webinar program. All these things which have traditionally either been separate and silo databases yeah. or 
in the some cases in one or the other marketing automation or CRM, but put them into a thing where they start to get attributes, right? There is one database of my audiences that now inherit attributes called lead or qualified lead or engaged audience member or subscribed audience member and allows me as a marketing team to de-silo the process of communicating these people so that a if an audience member comes in and signs up for my blog then they want to come in and register for a webinar I know who they are. And so I don't have to ask that information yet again. And I can be more valuable to them in terms of targeting and, and, and delivering content to them that's better, but without having to go through the intricacies of trying to integrate CRM to marketing automation to the web content management system to do, you know, it becomes the plumbing of that becomes so very difficult. Mm -hmm. And so. Maybe I'm asking for too much, but um, that's the bike that I want under my tree is something that we can just layer in quickly. Very much like we layer in these days content collaboration and calendaring and those kinds of things for our content marketing programs. Easy. I mean, they're off-the-shelf solutions. I just want a simple off-the-shelf solution for audience management. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we should cover this in a in a future episode. I'd love to talk to you about this for a bit longer. So what else is under your tree, my friend? Other than that, some, uh, some, 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 other than the certainty, uh, which yeah. I, I feel like is, is probably the big gift that I would get, yeah. uh, next year. And other than a shiny new technology project, other than that, it's really just, you know, goodness for everybody. I'm, 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 <laughs> uh, I'm ready to, I'm ready to be done with the whole COVID sort of commiseration and, the, yes. you know, the, I, the sort of novelty of getting back together again in person. And I'm, yeah. I'm ready to, to, to yeah. take on, the, yeah. the challenges of our business in a semi-normal environment. So yeah. I'm just hoping for really positive things for, for everybody out there. Yeah, I was completely, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was unprepared for this conversation. You said, well, I'm going to ask you some one, one of yours. And I was thinking, particularly the first point you made, which is just some joy, you know, like, how about some joy for marketers? You know, the, the I think yeah, the, right? there's a little bit of self-fulfilling truth if we all run around telling each other how terrible 23 is going to be. Um, and I think that we'll, it will end up with what we ask for, right? And I think that, that we need to find what's, what's positive about next year as a, as a group and, and make the most of that and try and talk about that and be positive about have, what's coming. I have this very strange, and maybe I'm just being too Pollyanna about the yeah. whole situation, but I really believe 23 could be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I really believe it could yeah. be sort of the, the, the first year out of you know, stepping out of yeah. the goo that has been yeah. the, you know, the, the pandemic and everything yeah. that has surrounded that yeah. it feels to me like it, it 23 could be a, a real cleansing year. And yeah. it, it feels also, by the way, from a geopolitical situation and from others mm. that it, it could lean that way. Right. I mean, it yeah. could, it, it, so. it could lean that mm-hmm. way. It could also, I've obviously lean into the darkness as well, but, yeah, but yeah. I, I, I'm really feeling good about it. Well, yes, exactly. And, and as a year, it hasn't got a lot of competition recently, has it? I mean, if, no. it, doesn't, if, it, doesn't, if it doesn't have a pandemic and a war, it's, it's going to be... In, it's Fair good, enough. Good yes, check. it is a low bar. It is a low bar that we have to cross. A controversial yes. sporting event. No, I think it's going to be... Well, that's fantastic. So um, I hope that tomorrow you get to open all of these presents and they arrive. I think the, the, the technology might be a bit more of a challenge to put together. But that's what Boxing Day is for, isn't it? So I think that's, that's great. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, another <laughs> wonderful uh, European tradition that we do not celebrate here uh, in the U.S. So, in, so indeed, which I, you know, somebody actually asked me the the, the yeah. origins of, of Boxing Day, and I said, <laughs> you know, I I actually no. I knew and then have forgotten it. Yes. So I went back and re looked it up, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we don't really have any servants to actually go <laughs> deliver gifts to, but uh, yeah, it's, it, that's all good. <laughs> all right, well, um, thank you very much. And where, if people are looking for content gifts, a, a tree where they might find some content gifts that you own, where might they find that? <laughs> Oh, don't look to me unless you want something like, you know, that that useful utility thing that you wouldn't ever want to give anybody because they're like, really, you're giving me a vacuum cleaner? Um, you know, uh, I I any, any we've we've been uh, working on our own little hovel on the Web, yeah. which, of course, is content advisory dot net. 
Um, and then I've been uh, working a little bit on our on our little community, which I promised mm-hmm. to work a lot harder on in 23, which is a little thing that we started experimenting on a number of platforms on. But the mm-hmm. central hub of it is at uh, experienceadvisors.io. Splendid. All right. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs and they want to bring you gifts, where are they going to find you, Robert? They'll find me doubling down on LinkedIn these days. Yeah, I'm, I'm spending a lot more time there given the given what's going on in the world with the, the Bird app. Uh, but uh, yeah, d- doubling down on LinkedIn and then spending a, a good amount of time on Mastodon uh, playing Splendid. and sort of experimenting with it. Splendid. And will you still return to the bar after Christmas? In 2020, <laughs> as we get to the precipice of 2023, which will of yeah. course be... The following weeks or this week's next week's show yes. i should say <laughs> yes. um is uh uh yes absolutely you know we'll 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 talk about the new year and um of course have another drink that you won't be able to make so you know, <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> might as well finish the year as we started it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> All right, mate, I we're nothing forward. if not predictable my friend yes <laughs> i look forward to seeing you then mate i'll see you then cheers cheers bye Thank you, Robert. Some fabulous gifts for marketing there. And of course, it's been a gift to have him on the show. So, (laughs) that's a wrap on episode 146 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks to Noz and Mark for their insight and Robert for the excuse to have a cocktail. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasty jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. And finally... How about leaving us a gift for the season by letting us know what you think on the socials or with a rating or review in your favourite podcast app. Or (laughs) just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, while Jeff is enjoying his holiday, I'll be taking a look back at 2022. I have a really fun conversation with Beth Torrey, an expert in analyst relations, before retiring to the virtual bar with Robert to get his predictions for the coming year. Until then, happy holidays, and I hope you again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.